Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Ellen Zentner, Chief U.S. Economist for Morgan Stanley Research. And I'm Ravi Shankar, Equity Analyst covering the North American transportation industry for Morgan Stanley Research. And today on the podcast, we'll be talking about transportation, specifically the challenges facing freight in light of still tangled supply chains and geopolitics. It's Tuesday, April 26th at 9 a.m. in New York. So Ravi, it's really good to have you back on the show. Back in October of last year, we had a great discussion about clogged supply chains and the cascading problems stemming from that. And I hoped that we would have a completely different conversation today. But let's try to pick up where we left off. Could we maybe start today by you giving us an update on where we are in terms of shipping ocean ground and air? So, yes, things have materially changed since the last time we spoke, some for the better and some for the worse. The good news is that a lot of the congestion that we saw back then, whether it was ocean or air, a lot of that has eased or abated. We used to have, at a peak, about 110 ships off the port of LA Long Beach. That's now down to about 30 to 40. The other thing that has changed is we just went from new peak to new all-time peak on every freight transportation data point that we were tracking over the last two years. Now, all of those rates are collapsing at a pace that we have not seen probably ever. It's still unclear whether this legitimately marks the end of the freight transportation cycle or if it's just an air pocket that's related to the Russia-Ukraine conflict or China lockdowns or something else. But yes, the freight transportation world is in a very different place today compared to the last time I was on in October. Ellen, I know you want to dig a little more deeply into the current challenges facing the shipping and overall transportation industry, but before we get to that, can you maybe help us catch up on how the complicated tangle created by supply chain disruptions has affected some of the key economic metrics that you've been watching over the last six months? That is, between the time we last spoke in October and now. Sure. So we created this global supply chain index to try to gauge globally just how clogged supply chains are. And we did that because what we've uncovered is that it's a good leading indicator for inflation in the U.S. And on the back of creating that index, we could see that the fourth quarter of last year was really the peak tightness in global supply chains. And it has about a six-month lead to CPI. Since then, we started to see some areas of goods prices come down. But unfortunately, that supply chain index stalled in February, largely on the back of Russia-Ukraine and on the back of China's zero-COVID policy starting to disrupt supply chains again. So the improvement has stalled. There are some encouraging parts of inflation coming down, but it's not yet broad-based enough. And we're certainly watching these geopolitical risks closely. So Ravi, I want to come back to freight here because you talked about how it's been underperforming for a couple months now and forward expectations have consistently declined as well. You also said you believe it may be too early to tell if the cycle is ending. You pointed to it as possibly being just an air pocket. Can you walk us through all of that? What I can tell you is that it's probably a little too soon to definitively tell if this is just an air pocket or if the cycle is over. Again, we are not surprised and we would not be surprised if the cycle is indeed over because in December of last year, we downgraded the freight transportation sector to cautious because we did start to see some of those data points you just cited with some of the other analysts. So we were expecting the cycle to end in the middle of 22 to begin with, but to see the 
pace and the slope of the decline in a lot of these data points in the month of March and how that coincides with the Russia-Ukraine conflict and the lockdowns in China, I think is a little too much of a coincidence. So we think it could well be a situation where this is an air pocket and there's like one or two innings left in the cycle. But either way, we do think that the cycle does end in the back half of the year, and then we'll see what happens beyond that. Okay, so you're less inclined to say that you see it spilling over into 2023 or 2024. I would think so. Like, if this is just a normal freight transportation cycle, that typically lasts about 9 to 12 months. The interesting thing is that we have seen 9 to 12 months of decline in the last four weeks. So there are some investors in my space who think that the downturn is over and we're actually going to start improving from here. I think that's way too optimistic. But if we do see this continuing into 2023 and 2024, I think there's probably a broader macro consumer problem in the US, and it's not just a freight transportation inventory destocking type situation. So, Robbie, I was hoping that you'd give me a more definitive answer that transportation costs have peaked and will be coming down because, of course, it's adding to the broad inflationary pressures that we have in the economy. Companies have been passing on those higher input costs. And we've been very focused on the low-end consumer here who have been disproportionately burdened by higher food, by higher energy, by all of these pass-through inflation that we're seeing from these higher input costs. I do think that rates in the back half of the year are going to be lower than in the first half of the year and lower than 2021. It may not go down in a straight line from here, and there may be another little bit of a peak before it goes down again. But if we are right and there is a freight transportation downturn in the back half of the year, rates will be lower. But, and this is a very important but, this is not being driven by supply. It's being driven by demand. And it's demand that is coming down, right? So if rates are lower in the back half of the year and going to 23, that means at best you are seeing inventory destocking and at worst a broad consumer recession. So relief on inflation by itself may not be an incredible tailwind if you're seeing demand destruction that's actually driving that inflation relief. That's a fair point. Another topic I wanted to bring up is the fact that while freight transportation continues to face significant headwinds, Airlines seem to be returning to normal levels, with domestic and international travel picking up post-pandemic. Can you talk about this pretty stark disparity? Ellen, it's absolutely a stark disparity. It's basically a reversal of the trends that you've seen over the last two years, where freight transportation, I guess, inadvertently became one of the biggest winners during the pandemic with all the restocking we were seeing and the shift of consumer spend away from services into goods. Now you're seeing the mean reversion of that. So look, honestly, we were a little bit concerned a month ago with you know jet fuel going up as much as it did and with potential concerns around the consumer. But the message we've got from the airlines and what we're seeing very clearly in the data, what they're seeing, the numbers is that demand is unprecedented. Their ability to price for it is unprecedented. And because there are unprecedented constraints in their ability to grow capacity in the form of pilot shortages, obviously very high jet fuel prices and other constraints, I guess there's going to be more of an imbalance between demand and supply for the foreseeable future. And again, as long as the U.S. consumer holds up, we think there's a lot more to come here. So Ellen, let me turn it back to you and ask you, with freight still facing such big challenges and pressure on both sides on the supply chain, what does that bode for the economy in terms of inflation and GDP growth for the rest of this year and going into next year? 
So I think because, you know, as I had said, you know, our global supply chain index has stalled since February. I think that does mean that even though we've raised our inflation forecasts higher, we can still see upside risk to those inflation forecasts. The Fed is watching that as well because they are singularly focused on inflation. GDP is is quite healthy. Uh, we have a net neutral trade balance on energy. So it actually limits the impact on GDP, but has a much greater uplift on inflation. So you're going to have the Fed feeling very confident here to raise rates more aggressively. I think there's strong consensus on the committee that they want to front load rate hikes because they do need to slow demands to slow the economy. They do almost need that demand destruction that you were talking about. That's actually something the Fed would like to achieve in order to take pressure off of inflation in the U.S. But we think that the economy is strong enough, and especially the labor market is strong enough, to withstand this kind of policy tightening. It takes actually four to six quarters for the Fed to create enough slack in the economy to start to bring inflation down more meaningfully. But we're still looking for it to come in for core inflation around two and a half percent by the fourth quarter of next year. So, Robbie, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. There's much more to cover, and I definitely look forward to having you back on the show in the future. Great speaking with you, Ellen. And thanks for listening. If you enjoy Thoughts on the Market, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with a friend or colleague today. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 